It's time to talk all things Minnesota Wild. Welcome to The View from the Wild with the fans, Brett Blakemore. Welcome back to The View from the Wild. I'm your host, Brett Blakemore. It's a very monumental episode because if you if you remember last episode... I was. I said, "Well, I'm texting somebody. We'll see. We'll see what happens." And and Eric was nice enough to come in, and I'm definitely going to have Eric on more often. Um, but then something special happened. Um, Michael Russo, Michael Russo, Russo Athletic, Russo Hockey, what all the nicknames you want, um, came in for nine to noon, and we were chatting. And I was like, "Oh, did you get that?" And uh, and we're like, "Oh, we'll just do it after the show." And let's just say. If, if you know me, if you're a regular listener of this, is that, you know, I'm a wild apologist at heart. But I have some takes that are not, um, let's just say, not popular in the in the wild crowd. I have some things. I think Rossi should be on the team right now. Um, I think if the price was lower, I think Eichel is still a good move. If the price was lower, not for all of the farm, if the price was lower, I think it's a good move. Um, because I still think the kid can play. Uh, I don't care about leading your franchise. I don't care about any of that because I think that's a bunch of bull. Um, but this was always going to be the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. Uh, and so we'll have Michael Russo on in a few minutes. One thing I do want to say, pros from last night, best wild game I've ever been to, best hockey game I've ever been to. That was the most electric thing of all time last night. Uh, and I'm so happy that uh, that I was lucky enough to be there. And I'll have to post some videos about it or, you know, the videos that I took. But the the most electric, I've been to playoff games, not a lot. I've been to a couple playoff games in the X. And this was the most electric I've ever seen the X was last night. It just felt like a playoff game. When Kirill stepped on the ice, you could feel the, the energy just rise. Unbelievable um, atmosphere last night. Um, the only, and the wild... That multiple games of 40 shots on goal. You have multiple games of, I thought they were controlling the game. I thought they played incredibly well all three of these games. I mean, yeah, they had times when, you know, the Anaheim game is always going to be a snooze fest. Everyone knows that. It's always going to be a snoozer. Um, and I said that a lot on the fan, that every single time they go to Anaheim, it's a snooze fest. Um, but I thought 40 shots on, on goal in two out of the three games over that, um, I thought they played pretty damn well, and they show a lot of resilience, which is something I couldn't say about the Wild in years past. A um, couple cons, and I talked about it a little bit with Russo. Um, our defense needs to tighten up. And and what I mean by that is a lot of rebounds, a lot of loose pucks, and we couldn't break it out almost all night. We had trouble breaking out of our own zone the entire night. I think a lot of that, there was a couple goals that were almost entirely John Merrill's fault, um, which Russo kind of steered me back in the right direction on Merrill. Um, and maybe you put me in a box. Who knows? We'll have to, you'll have to listen for yourself. Um, I just think that that has to be tightened up. If they want to go any further than um, than the first round, I think that defense needs to tighten up. And then and Talbot had a little bit of a rough night. Um, I think they need to balance. Um, they need to balance him and Capo a little bit more because I really like Capo. Um, and also, you can hear my voice is still a little shot. I think my voice cracked like right off the rip for the the Russo <laughs> interview, but you know it's it's still recovering from last night. So, anyways, without further ado, meaty podcast with the Athletics, Michael Russo. So, for you, you've been to uh, I think this is an understatement of the year. You've been to a lot of wild games in your yeah. life. Where where does that rank for you? Because that's to me has gone to 
probably you know twenty five percent as yeah. much as you have. That's it's right up there. At the no, top. it was outstanding. Uh, it was, it's right up there. I mean, uh, somebody tweeted me today um, and brought up the Chicago game in twenty ten when the Wild rallied back from four down in the third. That yeah. was right up there. Um, the the one that really jumps to mind, I know it's playoffs, is the Game 7 in 2014, just because it was very similar where the Wild were down by a goal four different times in that game, eventually tied up on the Spurgeon goal with like 217 left, I think it was, and then wind up winning, obviously, on the Niederreiter overtime winner. So it was very much similar to that. But last night, it looked like they were down and out and, and dead, and then all, you know, all of a sudden, you just out of heaven, you got to, hey, it's offsides, and yeah. who would have ever thought, you know, I'm already wrapping up, I'm writing my final tweet, getting ready, and next thing you know, I'm like, what is going on here? They're skating over to the bench. And then, you you know, at that point also, like on offsides challenges at this point, because it's so it's so painful if you get it wrong with the power play, you, they, if you're wrong, you get it, the other team gets a power play, so yeah. it could be a double whammy. Normally you think, all right, they know for a fact it's offside. But here it's one fourteen left. You're thinking, yeah, who just, cares? Yeah, right. Yeah. You're thinking that the Wilders are saying, well, we're going to throw a grasp at straws here and just, you know, might as well, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see the replay and you're like, wait a minute. Sure looks like he's over the line. And obviously it was. And I think what's really worked out well, Brad, on that one is that it gave all their big guns that were out on the ice for so long, a minute and a half, mm-hmm. between the time that Dean Evison pulled the goalie to the time that the empty net goal happened, it gave them all that time during the video review to really freshen up and get back in the game. And what happens? Erickson wins another draw, 19th of the game, mm-hmm. or 18th. He eventually won 19. And um, and what's he do? I mean, he goes out and scores a goal 15 yeah. seconds later. It's crazy. Well, and also go figure that the the guy who went off sides was the Jets' best player, yeah. Kyle Connor, who scored two goals and looked like he was a wild killer all the time. Yeah, sudden. and he is such a good player, and I felt bad for him, but you're right. I mean, he felt, it looked like he was just lollygagging yep. there, and, and uh, you know, maybe Shifley needs to skate into the zone a little harder. It did look like, actually, he kind of lost the puck a little bit or was fumbling with the puck, which might have slowed him down and mm-hmm. made him have to, you know. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the rule, but that one was clear and, yeah. and uh, by a couple inches, and then... There you go. They they wind up wind up winning, and it's it is just an amazing amazing victory. As far as environments in the X, I mean, I think it it, oh, it goes with saying that it's been in you know over a year since there's been a full XL mm-hmm. Energy Center, and I think that helped a lot. Definitely. Um, but I still think like I've been to a few playoff games in the X. I think that was better in a better environment. Yep, I completely agree with you. I was texting with a player before. I was came on came down to the radio station here about that. Um, you mm-hmm. know, normally in in warm ups, it's like trick. You know, five. You know, it's 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 maybe fifty people down there. This one was like three or four hundred. It was four or five deep, wrapped on every inch of the glass. Everybody had signs, not just the signs yeah. that like the wild have signs that you could do your own arts and crafts, but it was like people at home made these, yeah. you know, incredible signs of like you know caricatures of Kaprizov and Polino, and it's just. I don't know. It was really good to see, and I think the game obviously helped. It was such an exciting game, but that is, it it, it that was very unwild fan like, and I don't mm-hmm. mean that to be a shock, but but a shot. But you know, wild games are kind of known as this like sold out library, and um and the fans came to came to enjoy themselves uh, last night, and they just brought it the entire game. It was electric. Some people, um. Were asking me if it was qu- as quiet in the building as it was on TV. That must be an ESPN Plus thing, right? Because yeah. it was. I mean, you were there. It was loud. I. Um, it was the loudest. I've, yeah. I, I mean, there. 
one thing I like to do when I go to hockey games is if they're if the Wild are attacking on my side, I like to try to get one on tape and I can tweet it out or something. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've ever been in the X where I had to like get ready to stand up every time they came down the ice yeah. because everyone was standing up and I couldn't see the yeah. net if I just and, sat down. And to your point, I think it was the anticipation of finally seeing this team after the pandemic. But two, I mean, think of how many people in that arena had never seen Kirill Kaprizov live. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just this excitement level. Uh, hockey's back, and um, and uh, and the Wild delivered. That was the other cool thing is that you know they could have been dejected after the TK yep. um, uh, uh, memorial, uh, that the tribute that they showed on the Jumbotron before with Tom Curver's passing away this summer. They could have uh, you know had all that energy out of the gate, but then when they don't score, they fall down one nothing. Don't bring it back. But what do they do? They get an immediate response from Zuccarello, um, and it just the fans came and the wild came and, and rewarded them. Uh, one thing that I don't think a lot of people have been talking about, one of my favorite moments from last night, and I didn't even have, I haven't even gotten into my written stuff, so I'll just have to skip some of this, um, was when, because Dumba took that dumb cross-checking penalty right off the rip. So they go on the, the penalty kill. Kirill doesn't see the ice for like mm. first four minutes of the game. Yeah. When he stepped on, you could feel it. Yeah. Like, it was tangible. You could feel it, especially yeah. second he touches the puck. Then yeah. you could really feel it, and he just dances around a guy. Yeah. Uh, my thing is, did you hear anything from, from his camp of, like, whoa, like, I did not expect it to be this good, or was it just all from the locker rooms? Yeah, no, not not at all. I mean, that's the one thing with Kirill right now, is that he does not speak without a translator, so we no. don't get him after a game like that, but I could tell you all the players were talking about how much uh, the fans were, were bringing in, and, and what you know, the, and the experience that Kirill must have had playing in that arena for the first time where it was full and not 3,000 people. And, um, you know, he's gotten to experience that in places like Vegas in the playoffs and what it's like to play in a, a packed arena like this. And and hopefully that continues. I think that you saw last night that Kirill wanted to deliver and, and yeah. give these fans a show. And I think that what was really cool is it wasn't just Kirill. It was the entire team that followed suit. I agree. Um, I will say it. it's not all – uh, roses for me because I mean it, I'm usually a wild apologist uh, when I'm talking about the wild, but I felt like in our zone they couldn't clear pucks the entire night, and I you know we can talk about Talbot all you want. I thought he you know looked a little shaky. Obviously mm-hmm. it was rocks in overtime, uh, but to you is it more important of a talker that the wild are giving up all these deficits and going behind? Or it's more important that they're coming back from Well, that. look, if they lose last night, everything changes, right? The yeah. whole complexion of the game. And then we are talking about that today. We're probably talking about how Kaprizov only has two assists in his first two games, three games, if he doesn't get those last uh, couple. And, and at that point, had only had five shots on goal in three games and no goals. And we're probably talking about that. We're talking yeah. about Talbot giving up five goals in regulation. But you play the cards that are dealt to you, and the Wild wind up rallying. And so now you put off that concern to the next day. It gives them some time to the to um to fix up and repair some of that stuff. The one thing I'll say, Brett, is that like I thought they defended, and again it's Anaheim and L.A., but I thought they defended really well in layers in Anaheim and and um and in uh in L.A. And I just think that last night was just a powerful opponent um, that was coming out extremely desperate after losing their first two games of the season. And they came out desperate to win. And, and the Wild, um, you know, it's the first time they've seen them. They know everything about L.A. and Anaheim. And it probably just was something that needed to be It's some adjustments that are going to need to happen. Every team plays different. But but you're right. They were not as sharp nearly that way. But it made for a fun hockey game because it was end-to-end action by both teams. Yeah, it was. Um, while we're on the defense, the one person that kind of stood out to me, two of the goals to me were almost entirely his fault were John Merrill. 
There mm-hmm. was a lot of turnovers in our own zone. Yeah. Or, or I thought that breaking out was kind of yeah. tough. Do, at, at what point, I mean, Jory, is Jory Ben an option? Uh, I, you know, being a champion of the young players, I'd like to see Kalen maybe yeah. get a shot. What are your thoughts on, uh, um, on, I think on that? Court? I think that Jordy is an option, but um, until they lose, I don't think he's going to be an option. But maybe if they, if, with back-to-back games this weekend, unless they really get pounced on, on against Anaheim, maybe you debut Ben against Nashville. Um, but, you know, Dean said yesterday how much he wants to get Jordy and Rem Pitlick in, but it's just hard right now, obviously, with the team yeah. being 3-0. and um, I don't think that they're at a point that they would uh, leapfrog Jordy Ben or John Merrill for Kalen Addison. I think there would need to be an injury and or, um, to use the Dean Evison term, he uses and or a lot, um, it needs to be an injury and or it needs to be a situation where maybe a month down the down the line, what you just said is a concern mm-hmm. to um, Bill Guerin, and then he reacts by either bringing up Kalen Addison or making a trade. You know, he showed last year, if you remember, after game one of the season that he saw a deficiency in their third pair, and he went out and traded Greg Pattern for Ian Cole. Maybe he does that again. Um, but, you know, I talked to Bill a lot here the last couple of weeks, and I asked him that question coming into camp because after the way that Merrill and, and Ben played the end of the preseason where I thought they really struggled – after what I thought was a good start to their preseason, you know, I asked Bill if he how quick he would pull that trigger, either on Addison or making a trade, if he could, if he saw that. And he said that he feels like they're new defensemen; they need time. They're on the NHL contracts that does rule the roost sometimes. Not that you can't bury an eight hundred thousand dollar player in the minors or something like that, or use him as an extra guy. You can give him seats in the press box. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And Jardy right now has a seat in the press yeah. box, but it's one game. I thought Merrill was good in Anaheim and LA, so to me, it's just one game. But he is Fair. look; he's got he is what he is. I mean, you yeah. know, he's not going to be somebody that's going to skate up the ice, even like Kulikov. You know, <laughs> he is somebody that if he gets beat. Or, you know, he is a defensive defenseman. So when when you notice him, it's usually something he did wrong, and that's just something. Yep. But when you don't notice him, which I thought that you didn't really notice him in Anaheim in L.A., that to me is a signal that he actually played quite well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, last negative thing, and then we can move on from the negativity. The other, uh, you know, the white whale, if you will, the, the player that I always <laughs> have grievances with, I think you already know where I'm going, is Jordan Greenway. And oh, I, 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 didn't... Th- I thought you were going Rask. No, 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 we can, we can fix that for later. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I just think Greenway last night, and I haven't watched the full game back, so this is just going off my impressions live, so take that with a grain of salt. You're not wrong. I just thought he had stone hands last night, and I think sometimes when, they're, when he plays on the rush, I feel like chances die at his stick sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, he can forecheck like, the, like a demon, but... When you're actually playing on the rush, I just feel like he's got stone hands. Do you see? I know there's been contention with Greenway, and they had a coming to Jesus moment. Like what was that two seasons ago yeah, when that happened last year? Um, and even Dean Evison, the first preseason game, said Greenway was bad. He might as well have just said Greenway was bad. But then he turned it around. Where do you see him going? Uh, is he going still in that positive direction as far as the office is concerned? I think he's had a real pedestrian first three games. Yeah, and. You were talking to somebody that hates the word pedestrian. <laughs> many, many, many years ago, one of my editors at the Sun Sentinel said that my writing was pedestrian, and I've never forgotten that word. So I don't look at it as even like middling. Yeah, pedestrian to me is as it's almost like saying worse than horrendous. Um, so I, I think he's had a pedestrian first three games, and and then I mean that more now in sincerity. Like I, it, to me, he's just I want more. I want to see more. Yep. I thought last night I'm totally with you. I thought he was absolutely invisible at times, um, and things died on his stick, and he just needs to bring more. And he needs to know that. 
Yeah. Or he's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Like, there is – Beckman and Ro- and Rossi and Boldy will be on this team. And they're going to need position spots to play on this team. And when you think of it like that, you think, all right, who are the guys that are on the last year of their deal that aren't signed for seven or eight years? Yeah. That didn't just sign extensions like Hartman and Felino. There's they're not getting rid of Kaprizov. Zuccarello's here to stay. Erickson X here to stay. There's only a couple. One's Kevin Fiala. The others, Jordan Greenway. Yeah. The other after that might be Matt Dumba if you're going to go look at the blue line. So right now, I mean, and where's Beckman or Boldy play their wings? Yeah. They're kind of big wings too. They kind mm-hmm. of skate like Jordan Greenway. I mean, you know, like to me, it's so obvious. So he better get his act together. Um, I do think that he's going to be moved at some point. Um, I, I just, I, I think that they're going to open a door for him at some, for those guys wow. at some point. I don't know if it'll happen in season. I don't know if it'll happen next summer. Um, you know, but, but look, he has got to bring more. It's time, man. Um, yeah. At you know, some point, is. you just are what you are. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of think yeah. the same way about Dumba that he's just. That yeah. is who he is, and we've been waiting for this great offensive yeah. explosion, and yeah. that just is who yeah, he is. Yeah, I do think the injury really affected him. Yeah. You know, I mean, yep. he had nine shots on goal last night, and, you know, normally you know, three years ago when he had the 13 goals in 32 games, those probably go in. Yeah. And now they're just not anymore. He's probably just not the same. But, um, you know, there were a lot of people, and maybe I wasn't paying attention enough in the Owens end. There were a lot of people to me just ripping on Dumba, and I th- do think there's a lot of blind hate with Dumba sometimes. Um, um, but I, I thought Dumba was fine last night. I had nine shots on goal. He created the la- the, yeah. you know, the tying goal. No, sorry, the Felino goal. All great play by him. Yep. Um, he had the one assist on the uh, was it the first Erickson? I can't remember. Uh, he he had an assist on uh, was it the Zuccarello goal? Maybe. To, well, I, um, I think Goligoski threw that one in. Okay, and that's how it like um, tipped in. Um, but but yeah, I no, thought I'm he talking played... about the first period Zuccarello goal. I think that oh, was he might have ripped that. that. Was, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was a dumb that was a dumb rebound that went to Zuccarello. No, yep. so I mean, you know, I, I last night was not dumb, like to me it was one of Dumber's better games. I agree, actually. Besides the. Horrible penalty at right at the beginning. Yeah, that but was if, a bad one. But you're after right. that, I thought he was. And fine. you're actually point. I didn't even think about that. Like when, like because I fe- I felt the reaction when when Kaprizov burst off the bench there. I didn't mm-hmm. even think that that was his first shift four minutes in. Oh so. yeah, because he it yeah. built up. It yeah, was yeah, like we had, had to wait had, a year. I had then... no. It's, until yeah. you said that, it didn't even dawn on me. Um, you said with Le, or Lapanta said this with you. So was that your first time seeing Kaprizov live, or you, you did I, go to games? So last year? I went to games in Arizona. Oh, okay. so I have some family down there. So I, I went, you. but it was my first time seeing Kaprizov in a full building where I didn't have to wear a mask right, or right, right, you know right, have to you. go on an app to say that I'm good. Right. Um, <laughs> so Lapanta said that he would not trade, and this I'm aware that Eck just scored a hat trick. So that's kind of just crapping on my whole point here, but I don't care. He said he would not trade Eck for two. Brock Bessers, do you, and you just yeah, I think he just kind of let it slide. What do you do? You agree well, with that? Do you I stand mean, by that? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I get what he. I think um, and look, he's probably being hyperbolic. Like I, yeah, he's being hyperbolic, and and I and you were talking to the biggest Brock Besser fan out there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you you were talking to somebody that uh, loves his family, like yeah. his mom and dad are the greatest, coolest people. Um, I would give anything to cover Brock Bester. I was probably leading the parade that they made a mistake and didn't yeah. acquire Brock Bester. <laughs> um, but now that the Wild have these goal scorers on the wings, Eric's next by far the more valuable player. And the other thing I will say is, much as we love to create this narrative and ripping the Wild for not taking Bester, the hometown kid, over Eric's neck, 
If you ask any amateur scout from back then, maybe other than one guy that I know with the Wild that really was a proponent of Besser that actually no longer works for the organization, most people would have taken the center over the goal scorer there. And um, and there was a reason why Eric Sinek was as highly ranked as he was. And he was, it, you know, it's not like the Wild went off the board to take Eric Sinek. He was high, higher yeah. ranked than Besser. So, um, look, I'd love them both. Yeah, well, <laughs> right? that'd be ideal. Um, but, but look, Besser, I mean, Eric Sinek is 24 years old. This guy's future is beyond bright. And, you know, right now, I mean, what we've seen with Besser is, is so far he's been sort of an injury-prone guy and, and um, you know, I, I love him as a player, but but right now I, I don't disagree whole you know completely. He was being hyperbolic, but his point is is that yeah, Eric Sinek is the guy that you take in that situation. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to look at just points, like I can cherry pick little mm-hmm. things. Like for instance, I just googled uh, Brock Besser's career points per game is a point eight. Yeah. Eric Snacks is a point .3. Yeah. You know, but, but, that, but, but that's uh, over a career yeah. when the yeah. Wild were bad. You right. know, I can make any little argument yeah. that I want. And look, I mean, you know, very different guy. Came right out of college, at, at you know, uh, um, ready to play in the NHL. He's a goal scorer. You know, Eric Snack is this defensive-minded center that came here, played, you know, nine, ten minutes a night yep. with, you know, fourth-line guys for the most part at the beginning, then a the third-line role. And he just, you know, people mature in different rates. And um, Eric Sinek is going to wind up at the end of the day, 10 years from now, having an incredible hockey career, I think. Um, we're going to get into the to the argument portion of the because We don't have to talk about Eichel in particular. But I'm just saying, is trading for that mythical number one center, is that just dead at this point? Yeah, I think so, because Abinijad signed. Barkov was a pipe dream all along. Yep. Hurdle, are you going to give up the world for him? No. Um, and that, so who else is there, right? That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it now. So I do think it's – I think the the mythical number one center is Rossi. But he's but they want to make him the number one center. They want him to not be as good as – they don't want to wait five years for him to become the next Erickson Eck by just playing ten minutes a game up here. They yeah. want him to go down there and be a stud. He hasn't played in 18 months of real meaningful hockey. He's basically 19, just turned 20. Um, didn't play because of a heart heart thing. So they're just trying not to rush him here. Um, and so, look, uh, like I trust me. Do I do do I I don't disagree with you that Marco Rossi, Matt Boldy, and Adam Beckman are right now better than Victor Rask. Yeah, that's, that's not that's my point. Yeah, but that is not pro sports. Victor yeah. Rask makes four million a year. He is buying time for their development. That is sometimes the role of these NHL guys. Greenway is buying time for their development, probably. Which that sucks that he's in that role now. I hate to say it to you, but Dumba might be buying time for Kalen Addison's development. I mean, look, I still don't buy that Matt Dumba is going to be here past two years, but maybe I'm wrong. But I'm doing the math in my head of what they're going to be able to afford. And I don't see, unless Matt Dumba is taking a pay cut, I don't see them being able to afford him. So I think that he's going to be moved in the next couple of years, which also could have been one of the reasons why they gave him the A, because they know eventually they're going to be able to put that letter on Brodeen and Eric Snake, so it just didn't have to be now. Um, so my, my thing is it, that I think if if we're in the business of winning hockey games, but we business, have a better chance of winning hockey games with these see, guys I on the team. I, you know, I don't agree with that. I, I actually think that right now, like, do you think that that – Dean Evison would feel comfortable putting a 20-year-old um, Adam Beckman or Matt Boldy or Marco Rossi on the ice late in the games? No, the but I disagree with Dean Evison. But, <laughs> so well, but, I mean, you know, Brandon Duhame's on the ice with two minutes left. Let me just promise you those guys wouldn't be. And yeah. it's because they have a lot of growing to do. They're 20. You know, mm-hmm. Duhame's played pro hockey now for a long time. Um, you know, he's an NHL body. He's the role that he plays. 
Um, you know, Marco Rossi, if he's going to be on this team, he's got to play to me between on, on next to Fiala. Well, Goudreau is doing quite well there. And, I'm actually and surprised him. him. Yeah, yeah, me too. And or he's got to play with with um, Caprisa for Zuccarello, and then I mean that takes Eric Snack out. So yeah. I just, I just, I, I absolutely it, did. I what I think they should have done is throw, showed the kid more of a, you know, give him a bone in training camp, put him in a position where he could have played with those two. You know, give them they NHL roster knew, players, and they did. They showed it right from the very beginning that yep. they were not putting him on the team. They only, he only played what three exhibition games, um, you know, and not with really any NHL guys. And so it was very obvious. I would have just said for, reward for your hard work, give him that bone because I think he did leave here very frustrated. Yeah, you know, put on a good face, but I think he felt like he was kind of um, you know never given a shot. Adam Beckman, sort of same thing though. Like he showed some some shortcomings down the stretch in his own zone. Um, they want him to go down. They originally wanted to have just a dominant AHL line of Rossi, Beckman, and Boldy. Then, unfortunately, with 250 left in his final exhibition yeah, game, that... Boldy gets hurt. Do we have um, an update on how um, long You know, he be? was in the locker room yesterday in the postgame celebration, so I go. think it's still four to six weeks. So okay. I don't think the timetable changed um, based on— I don't know if he needed surgery or if you know, that's um, I actually don't know if he had surgery, uh, but okay. either way, the, the, the time frame is going to be— My gut says he didn't have it. I think we would have yeah. known that by now, but I could find out. Um. I haven't I, even asked. Here, that, here's blunt. my point. Um, you you have Goudreau, who has been a pleasant surprise, frankly. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if I'm looking at these line combinations from last night, Fiala's playing with Goudreau and Rask. Right. I just don't think that's yeah. – I think it's a better line yeah. if Rossi's on there. And I'm guessing that would be – you know, you can order yeah, these you could, however yeah. you want, really. And you could, put, you could always put Rossi in the middle and Goudreau on the right and Fiala on the left. Or you could – you know, the other thing is – you know, It you gives could, you more you know, variety. To me, the other, I think what thing that might make sense is if Victor starts to really struggle here, you put either Pitlick there or a month from now, maybe Beckman's just lighting it up down there, and that's enough for him to get up there and give him some looks with Goudreau, Goudreau yeah. and Fiala. A lot of it's going to be based on, like, what, where the team is right now. I mean, you, you know uh, – like, trust me, Bill Guerin's got a plan here. Um, the Rossi thing, I will say, I think is very much to do with his contract. I think that they. I was going to ask yep. about that. Yeah, I think it's very. I think it's very obvious that they're going to want him to play nine games. So are they just? They're just going to stick with nine, and that's going to be I, it. That's just my gut. We won't know yeah. until the end of the year if I'm right. That that stinks. Yeah. Um. Few. One last thing for you here. How would you think of the new goal song? Because they're they're trying to. Diff- you hate it. I am not a fan of that song. I think it's better yeah. than Jump but, Around. Yeah. I'll I give hated it Jump Around, and yep. I hated the Prince song. So so I guess I, I I have no excuse. I mean, if it were me, I'd just play Trampled by Turtles, right? Oh, there you go. Uh, so, yeah. uh, that would really get the crowd uh, fired not, up. Uh, the, hey, 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 I hate it. So, it's so overused <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. But the fans seem to like it. And they and the one thing about that one song, Hey, 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 it gets the crowd going because yeah. you're just naturally going to sing along with it. Yeah. You know? you know what's so funny about the Gold song is that until I heard the replay, after the game, I didn't hear like it's so weird because it's not like it's not like uh, like when a goal happens that I have a gazillion things to do. Like it's mm-hmm. just tweet at the goal, right? But I don't even hear it. I never hear the goal song. So all these people are asking me about it. And I'm like, it dawned on me after the game where a wild team scored six goals. I'm like, I didn't even hear the goal yeah, song. I, didn't even know I don't it. even know what it yeah. was. And so until I actually listened to the the on my drive home, listened to the the uh, the goal calls again, <laughs> and that's when I heard. It. I'm like, ugh. You know, yeah, it, so I am not a fan. What do you think? I mean, I, anything was better than Jump Around to me, right. and that's coming I from. Hated Jump and I'm a Badger fan, and I yeah. thought Jump Around's a horrible goal song. Uh, I still kind of wanted Crowd Chant to come yeah. back. I still like Crowd yeah. Chant. I thought it was a solid, but then 
you know, people thought it was old. Mm-hmm. And and now they have like in between instead of the Oregon. I never asked how they came up with this one. I don't know if it yeah. was it was a season ticket holder survey like they came up with last time, or if this was well, just a, they, an executive decision by the Wild. They were close to doing player goal horns yeah. like last year, and, and then, then that just, just fell through. Yeah, I think um, they just felt like it was going to be too hard. I mean, how many times? Like even last night. Like just imagine you're you're the audio guy. Yeah, you yeah. know, in that they in, can barely hit the, the horn far, on time in the far end of the rink, and on that say the tying goal, it wasn't obvious who scored. Yeah. So, like, what if you're like playing Zuccarello's song, and then you realize, oh wait, it's Eric Snack. Yeah, now go to Eric Snack. Like, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know, it's easy. You know who's coming up to the plate, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, I and, like and, it on paper. Yeah, it's a good idea. So, I mean, it's just it's it's hard. So maybe you have like a just a sort of default one, and then I don't know. It's just a. Uh, it became – I can't remember the exact reason why they stopped that sort of thinking, but I think it had a lot to do with what I just said, is that it just was going to become too tedious for – Yeah. You know. Well, and then they've changed everything too. Like there's – now they're like – there's some DJ that's like just yeah, going I mean, to town yeah. on a turntable every whistle. Yeah. They're which trying I don't to, know if well, I like. Try, I mean this is something that Chuck Fletcher used to drive him nuts about. Paul Fenton used to drive him nuts, and trust me, Bill Guerin, is that the atmosphere in the arena and the game ups. They want to make it more lively. They don't want to make it Vegas, but they yeah. don't want to make it boring as heck. Mm-hmm. And um, and that is part of – they want to make it an entertaining experience to come out to XL Energy Center. Priority number one is the product on the ice. But you got to have a good game ups too, and yeah. that's just the fact. I know that you know Minnesotans, a lot of times, they come there, and they're such educated hockey fans that they want to – they want to just sit there and enjoy the game and talk that's about me. it. Yeah, that, I mean, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. you want to, you know, like that's the thing about Minnesotans too, because they've all played the game, they all know the game, so they they see a lot of things that the average fan in some in Nashville. Sorry, if you're from Nashville, I hate I mean, Nashville fans, so, but you yeah. know, I mean, but they see things they don't, and they like to. You hear it like during big plays and games when it's not loud, you could actually hear the fans talking about the play that just happened, and yeah. And and I think that's part of why Wild fans, to me, perennially are amongst the quietest sold out crowds in the league. But they Wild don't want that anymore. They want the they want to be, and you see it. That's why they keep on talking about the crowd. They're trying to almost subtly tell these fans to just start talking. There was a player on the Wild, free agent signing, signed a three year deal once. Mm-hmm. Great guy, but he called me over one day. He goes. He goes, don't these fans here want to have fun? Like, why are they so quiet in games? I'm like, and I almost just dropped his name. I'm like, this is just the way they've always been. He goes, you're paying $90, $100 a ticket. Don't you want to enjoy yourself? Make some noise. You're out for yeah. that, you know, to watch a hockey game. And I think that, that Wild are trying to, the brass are trying to get the fans more engaged and make more noise and make this more of a home ice advantage for the team. I, I will say, because I'm a guy, I don't. You know, like if they're chanting "Let's go wild" and Nordy's got the drum, I'm sitting there like, "Oh, what line combination is out there right, right. now?" Like that's yeah. what I'm thinking. I'm no, not right. even and that thinking is, there. That's the way. Oh well, they're mm-hmm. looking at matchups. They see so many things that sometimes I miss. Um, it, it's same for me. There yeah, was a I, too many men on the ice yeah. uh, last season or two seasons ago where everyone started like yeah. like yelling, and I was like, "What's going on?" And I realized ten minutes later, the there's other thing that men. Minnesotans, it's like they have eagle eyes. The equipment. They'll know yeah. if a guy changed his skate, his his stick company. My like, friend Jesse know, notices pad changes all the time. Um, the way they tape skates, yep. the sticks, um, the butt end of the stick, the way they tape that, their tape job there. I mean, it's the stuff they see. Um, like I covered, was it Mikhail Granlin that used like black tape his first two periods and white his last <laughs> or vice versa? Yeah. 
I covered him for like six years. I never noticed that. Yeah. Um. You know, even just like you know the the big grip that Miko Koivu had, I never yeah. even noticed it. And I covered him for freaking fifteen. You know, yeah. and and the fans are just the, the fans here are so cognizant of that stuff, and and so that's why. Like I do want to make clear when I say that they're a quiet home crowd, I'm not saying it to be to pick on them. Yeah. Because I respect I think it's a good thing. At, yeah, yeah, I respect the heck out of them. You hear it in Calgary, in Toronto, in um yeah. Edmonton's more lively. Vancouver but Montreal is a different animal. Ottawa. Yeah. It, the really educated hockey markets are very quiet. Like Toronto, mm-hmm. it's like going to a you know, a, a, a morgue. Yeah. I mean it's it's that quiet. Um, I feel like in in years past, though, like in those playoff runs, you give them, even in the quietest of years, yeah. you give them no, something no to doubt. cheer about, and they're yeah. one of the loudest. No no um, but, yeah, I just don't. I think a, a, a sea of, you know, a drunk, loud people wouldn't really fit in at the X. It would almost be, like, yeah. unnatural. You like, know you know couldn't I mean? do what they do in Vegas. In no. Vegas, you know, no. Have the, have the whole <laughs> dancing, uh, yeah. you know, drummers and, and, uh, and the cheerleaders and all that no, We're trying stuff. to watch yeah. a game. Yeah, yeah, you can't make it a Vegas show. How am I supposed to know what the D-pairing matchup exactly. is when you're, when you're drummer? Exactly. Uh, so in Florida, when I used to cover the Panthers, mm-hmm. Roberto Luongo is now – father-in-law started this thing called Luongo's Legion, a bunch of Italians that would come out with drums, and they'd sit in the upper bowl, <laughs> and they would just bang on the drums all game. Like a soccer game? These fans, the higher Boca Raton, Palm Beach crowd yeah. in the lower bowl, got them banned. They were no longer allowed <laughs> to bring their equipment, their uh, music, musical instruments to games because it was driving the, the, the people that paid a bunch of money <laughs> nuts. And but this is the starting goalie's father-in-law. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. just hilarious. Uh, anyways, thank you so much for being yeah. here and taking the time. I really appreciate it. That, that was a lot longer than I thought, so yeah, I, uh, I definitely right. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry I didn't text you back. No, week, you're, uh, you're a busy guy. Yeah. I, I honestly, like the day you texted me, it was like one of those things, like I did not have a, a, a minute to spare. Yeah. And, and during that minute you texted me, I was in the middle of something, so I just completely forgot. And my problem is if I don't text somebody back or email them back like the second I see it. It's gone. It's yeah. like, yeah, all of a sudden I'll, like, get overwritten by, like, eight others. Yep. And that's why sometimes I feel terrible. I'll be, like, on a plane and I'll have, like, nothing to do. And I'll be like, you know what? I'll, I'll go clean out my email box. And I'll, like, I'll see, like, an email from, like, three months earlier. And it's, like, the nicest email in the world. Yeah. And I didn't even reply. Didn't even <laughs> say thank you. And I just sometimes feel like the biggest jerk, and it's it's just it's honestly it's like if that does not happen, that so I, I feel yeah. terrible that that's all. we were supposed to so so people know uh, Brett asked me to do this podcast last week, and I didn't reply until today. So there you <laughs> well, go. yeah, because you happen to come into yeah, yeah. tonight at noon. So, so there you go. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yep. I appreciate it. Let's get Take out care. Of here. And that is going to do it for this edition of the View from the Wild. You can follow me at Brett KFAN, and if for whatever reason you don't follow Michael Russo yet but you're listening to a Wild-specific podcast. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you, but, uh, I mean, his ad is Ruzo Hockey. But, I mean, th- there's literally a 0% chance that you're not already following him. So, uh, until next time, uh, let's keep the Wild streak going. I think they can get this run going at least until next Saturday when they play Colorado. I think they can win every single one of those games. Till next time, have a good one.